Hey guys, it's Sam. Thanks for checking out another episode of Not Sam Wrestling. If you'd like to support the show, the best way you can do it is for free. Just listen to it. Download the show every week. Subscribe to it on whatever platform you listen to. If you listen on Spotify, you can leave us a five-star rating. If you listen on Apple, you can leave us a five-star rating. You can also leave a very pleasant review. If you want more content, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel absolutely for free at youtube.com slash Wrestling and... If you want more, more, more content and you want to support the show financially, you can become a Not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. You'll get a bonus show every week. You'll get access to Zooms. You'll get access to our Discord. You'll get access to everything. Live content from the studio every week. Patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. Or you could just sit back and enjoy today's show. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, one thing in the WWE has been made abundantly clear. There is a new person in charge. Let's break down what we're actually seeing right now on Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. And my God, I mean, if we are not living through history, I don't know what we're doing. The lyrics go like this. It's all about the game and how you play it. All about control and if you can take it. All about your debt and if you can pay it. It's all about pain And who's going to make it? I mean, I don't know about, you know, inflicting pain on people. But the beginning of that lyric is incredibly close to reality. I have been a proponent of new kayfabe, the art of storytelling in professional wrestling in 2022 for years now. Years. And if there is an, if there's ever a, a, a more clear-cut showcase of new kayfabe. It is the career story arc of Triple H, who has gone from being a, a, a character that is doing everything that he can do, possibly, to get to the top of the mountain and to outwit outlast and outsurvive every last foe of his to a real life person who has somehow taken the seat that we all thought would be filled until it was filled by a corpse. That's the Vince McMahon seat specifically in creative. And we talked about it last week. The question was, what is this going to look like? And I personally, felt like it would definitely be a very, very gradual change. I felt like, you know, in the beginning, we may not even realize that there's somebody else kind of steering the ship. In the beginning, it may be business as usual as we just allow the company to kind of find its feet and, and, and slowly start to implement change so that the people watching at home and the and the, the general audience doesn't even know that anything has changed. It's just business as usual. I thought that that was going to be the case. I was dead ass wrong. Triple H has decided to come in and say, look, I've got the seat. I am going to do what I think is right. And I'm going to live and die by that sword. And I think that you can, there's nothing you can do but respect that, right? For somebody to come in, because that's the the easy way. The easy way is to come in nice and slow and say, let's just do what we were doing. And then eventually we'll slowly start to make changes. No, no. Triple H has decided to come in and say, we're going to do some things that people know. Everybody watching absolutely knows. I'm the one that's behind this, which means if this succeeds, I'm a genius. But if this fails, I'm the one that's failing with it. 
That's ballsy, my friend, especially when you're 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 taking over an empire that has defined an industry for decades now, decades. And you're going, well, nothing we can do, but what we think is right. So let's do what we think is right. You know, Triple H would be asked a lot when he was running NXT, um, how do you make your decisions and stuff? And he said many, many times in many, many different interviews that he ran NXT in some ways, putting on the show that he as a fan would like to see. This is something that we, we, we have to wrap our heads around, that the person who is running creative and talent for WWE right now is a person who loves wrestling. It's not a person who is business first. As a matter of fact, the business isn't even technically the responsibility of the person in that seat. See, the last person that was in the creative seat of WWE, the business side of WWE was also falling in their lap. Now, we've got half the company being run on the creative end and the other half being run on the business end and it's different sets of people running both sides of the company. Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan are over here dominating the business side of it and Triple H is over here dominating the creative side of it. And I think that that's just such a, a, a beautiful thing, especially because Triple H is, no pun intended, but if there was really no pun intended, would I be saying it? A student of the game. The game is a student of the game. It's true. It's true. Why is Triple H in the position that he's in? Because he loves wrestling. It's not because he's trying to make a billion dollars. It's not because he's trying to take something and turn it into something different. It's because he loves wrestling. Just a kid in New Hampshire wanting to be a wrestler because he grew up watching wrestling. So he goes to wrestling school and he trains with Killer Kowalski. Gets a job in WCW being a, let's be honest, a glorified job guy. By the end of 94, he's out here and he's, he's, he's a guy. He's got a name, but still, you know, not a big star by any stretch of the imagination. He goes to WWE, he starts playing Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He just loves wrestling. He loves wrestling through and through. And he starts to eat, breathe, and sleep it. And when he gets to WWE, this is, and I know we're starting to sound like the same thing we were saying last week, but trust me, I'm going in a different direction. When he gets to WWE, he does have the opportunity to eat, sleep, and breathe it. And why does he do that? Because he loves wrestling. We have a, a an individual who's in charge of the show now. And there's a whole team in charge of the show, obviously. It's not one guy making every decision and and that's it. But the WWE has always run best with a buck stops here mentality. So I would imagine that Triple H probably is the buck stops here guy. That's what it felt like in NXT. Open door, open ears, hands on. But ultimately, we know who's making the decisions which is the way it should be, right? Because like I said, in the beginning of the show, it's that way you can live and die by the decision maker. And you can trust that decision maker because you know that they're not trying to shirk responsibility on anything. Just look at what Triple H has done in, you know, this will be two weeks. The day this podcast comes out, it's two weeks, okay? Already. At the first pay-per-view, Bailey's back, but more importantly, and I don't say that that's more important than Bailey. I say more importantly to this point, EO Sky gets called up to the main roster. And by the way, people have so much faith in Triple H that I'm not hearing anybody. It's so funny. Everybody that would have at one point that was very critical of name changes is going like, you know what? EO Sky, probably better. Uh, no, I like it. Genius of the Sky. EO Sky is better. <laughs> People are ready to give Triple H a chance. It's a wonderful thing. EO Sky shows up and Dakota Kai gets re-signed. We didn't even know she was getting re-signed. Nobody was talking about Dakota Kai getting re-signed. And she's in the building, in the stadium, walking down the aisle at SummerSlam. But he doesn't stop there. Becky Lynch 
goes back to being a good guy, something we have been wanting for months, a year since she showed up to a year. We've been asking for that since she showed up to SummerSlam and we all went, wait a minute. Is she a villain? Is Becky Lynch a bad guy? That doesn't make any sense to me. And Becky made it work. Don't get me wrong. Becky did everything in her power. Becky made it work. But ultimately, that voice saying, we just want to cheer for her, never went away. And Triple H was like, what's that? Six days in power? Five days in power? Yeah, we'll make Becky a good guy again. We go to Monday Night Raw. And if there was any doubt, I go, I go, okay, okay. Maybe he's just throwing us a bone at SummerSlam. Maybe he's just throwing us a bone, giving us a little EO Sky and Dakota Kai. We've been watching NXT, black and gold. We're the NXT faithful. He's throwing us a bone. No problem. <laughs> we get to Monday Night Raw. Tommaso Ciampa wins not one, but two massive matches. Champa wins a triple threat match and then he beats AJ Styles to the point where he's now cutting promos on social media and building to a United States Championship match on Monday Night Raw with Bobby Lashley. That airs tonight. By the time you're listening to this, maybe it's already happened. And while I don't think Champa walks out of Monday Night Raw, the United States Champion, Within one program, one Monday Night Raw show, one night, all of a sudden, we're looking at Champa like he is a threat to Bobby Lashley. Maybe I've got rose-colored glasses on, but I'm not going, oh, the Miz's right-hand man is facing Bobby Lashley. I guess this is just a nice uh, pushover match. This is just 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 to make Bobby look strong. That's not the feeling that I get because beating AJ Styles is a big deal. Winning a triple threat match is a big deal. Having a mini tournament, winning that thing. And he didn't, it's, it's not a fluke. It's not cheating. He won. And I'll tell you something, in, 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 in my view, Champa is one of those guys that you give him the opportunity and he's going to take everything he can. He's going to get everything he can out of that opportunity. I can't imagine how he must have felt walking into Monday Night Raw, finding out he's getting a victory in the triple threat and a victory over AJ Styles and a title match next week. And how about a title match next week? How about the fact that we're actually getting, now maybe I'm putting the cart before the horse here. Maybe we don't get because in, in, in years past, we would have this whole big buildup and then no title match would happen or there'd be some kind of schmaz or whatever. But it feels like we're actually going to get a mini build. We're actually going to get a tiny little payoff from week to week by having this Champa Bobby Lashley match. That's amazing. How about we go to SmackDown? How about the, the, the fact that Shayna Baszler wins a gauntlet match? We haven't seen Shayna Baszler look like that since she first got to the main roster and won that Elimination Chamber match. Shayna Baszler was everything Shayna Baszler could be in black and gold NXT. And we've had minor, minor glimpses of that on the main roster. But we haven't seen it, really. We saw it in the one match. She took everybody out, but then what happened after that? Nothing. We've gotten to a point now where it's like, okay, we're building these matches, and it's really interesting. Because Triple H is wasting no time. He's he's building scenarios where it will just heave credibility at people, right? He looks at Champa, and instead of saying, over the next six months, I'm going to make you my pet project, he goes, oh no, tonight you're my pet project. Not, uh, let's, over the next six months, I'm going to build your credibility, and eventually we're going to get you that match with Lashley. Nope. We're going to create a scenario where we can do that in one night. And then we get to SmackDown. Can we do that with Shayna Baszler? Yes. And by the way, in years past, it would have been like, how are we going to do that with Shayna Baszler? Oh, I've got an idea. Let's do the exact same thing we just did on Monday Night Raw. Don't pretend it wouldn't have happened because it would have happened. Where we would have just gone like, okay, we'll have two triple threat matches and then the winners will face each other and it'll be Shayna Baszler. And it would have been, 
the exact same thing that just happened on Raw, except with different people involved. No. How do we get the same result? How do we take somebody that can have that level of credibility and give it all to them in one night without doing the exact same thing we just did on Monday night? How about a gauntlet match? Boom, let's do a gauntlet match. Shayna Baszler is now a serious threat to Liv Morgan. And not that it's that difficult to make Shayna Baszler a serious threat to Liv Morgan, but you do have to do the work. And the work was done. Shayna Baszler is that person. Shinsuke Nakamura is out here getting victories. Huh? Shinsuke Nakamura's got a title match now coming up. Why? Why would Shinsuke have a title match? Well, he beat this guy. There's actually a response. There's actually an explanation as to why these things are happening. How about the announcement that the women's tag team title tournament is actually happening? Boom. How about this? You want a tag title tournament? You're going to get a tag title tournament on Monday. Not like, okay, that's on my list. There's not, like, you would think, I, here's how I thought it was going to go down. Triple H was going to have this list. Eventually, we're going to get to that. Eventually, we're going to get to that. Eventually, going to get, nope, we're doing it now. Now, 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 now. Let's move. Let's move. And we've got the women's tag title tournament coming up. And, and there's a faith in it, right? Because the women's tag team championship in NXT meant something. It didn't mean nothing. Hasn't meant nothing. For I wonder if the plan was to get rid of the women's tag team championship in NXT and that's why they had uh, Cora Jade throw one of the titles in the garbage. And then once Triple H took over, he completely scrapped that and said, no, 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 let's bring it back. We'll do the fatal four-way match or whatever. Maybe, who knows? And then, and then, as if there was any mystery as to who was running the show, as if there was any mystery as to whether or not things were truly changing, Drew McIntyre is confronting Roman Reigns, a scenario we've seen before, but we haven't seen it like this before because all of a sudden, a black and white bird shows up on the screen. Some music that we've heard before. Do, 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 do. Karrion Cross shows up on SmackDown. That was like the, the, the moment. That was the moment where you're going, all this stuff that's happened leading here, maybe you could say, ah, oh, it's probably because of Triple H. Oh, that's probably, I mean, maybe it was going to happen anyway, but probably because of Triple H. Dakota, probably because of Triple H. Shayna Baszler, probably because of Triple H. Champa, oh, really probably because of Triple H. But when Karrion Cross comes back and it's Karrion Cross in the form that we wanted to see Karrion Cross in from the beginning, it's Karrion Cross in a form in which he never lost to Jeff Hardy in 90 seconds. It's carrying Cross in a form that he's not just walking to the ring without any pomp and circumstance, where he's not doing it without a manager or an escort or a valet, I guess. He doesn't have like uh, bondage gear on. Carrying Cross made such an impression on SmackDown that it made a lot of us forget that, that uh, Drew McIntyre called Roman Reigns a queef on broadcast television. And Drew McIntyre should get a little bit of applause for that, no? Drew McIntyre should get some credit for that. I, mean, I don't think anybody, anybody, I think people, and you know, there were rumors and stuff, but I think that, that people generally thought that, yeah, there's a good chance that Karrion Cross will be back. Nobody saw it happening on SmackDown. And again, it makes you wonder, with all the leaks and all the dirt sheets knowing everything, nobody knew Dakota Kai was gonna show up at SummerSlam. Nobody knew Karrion Cross was going to show up at that SmackDown. I hadn't heard one word about the tag team title, uh, tag team women's tag title tournament coming back. It's like all this stuff that, yeah, you can say, well, the dirt sheet said that Karrion Cross was coming back. Yeah, but they didn't say he was on SmackDown. We're getting surprised again, dude. We are getting surprised in the best possible way. And like the Karrion Cross thing to me changed everything. Because I would have said, yeah, like, Karrion Cross would be great to add to the main roster. But man, 
Man, did they leave a bad taste in people's mouths with his last main roster run. I mean, they screwed up his main roster run. Something fierce the last time he was in WWE to the point that he was released and people were like, how, how? That was the era of how. Carrying Cross was like the tipping point. It was the, it was, it was the Alistair Blacks, the Adam Coles, the Carrying Crosses. How? We're not feeling that way anymore. We're not asking that question anymore. And it seems to me that that because people were so happy that the original Carrying Cross presentation returned, because. When Karrion Cross first debuted on NXT Black and Gold, it was during the pandemic. And I remember sitting there, and I probably said it on this podcast, but I remember when he first came out and the smoke was going and uh, Scarlett was was singing the, the the lyrics of the song as it was playing and, 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 and then it started turning red and everything. I was like, man, man, that entrance is cool. I can't wait until that entrance is in front of people again. And it never happened. They never did that entrance in front of a full crowd. The closest they did to having that entrance in front of people was in the performance center. Not the same thing, especially with how much you can do, you know, in, 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 in an arena, in a stadium. I mean, can you imagine? I think people are ready for, for, Carrying Cross to be an entirely new entity. And there were people, I think, on SmackDown who had no idea who he was, which is probably for the best. Because when he showed up in NXT and kind of took the whole place by storm, it wasn't because Killer Cross had been such an, a hot indie prospect. It was because of the presentation of Carrying Cross and everything that character was. And it's like you go, and I would have gone too. Uh, I don't know if he's gonna, if they're gonna skyrocket him right away on the main roster. You know, no, not not enough people saw him in NXT. Well, that's true. But the person that was running NXT back then is running the main roster now. And if they can present Karrion Cross on the main roster the way they presented him in NXT, what would stop history from repeating itself? And for the love of God, I can't think of what would. I can't think of what would stop Karrion Cross from achieving those same things. And the whole thing got me to thinking, like, where else? Like, what else can we expect at this point, you know? And and I think that now, I really do think that that we're looking at a, at a, at a, at a moment right now. And this isn't the way the WWE is going to be forever. But I think in this moment, it appears to me that adding depth to the roster is a priority to the new regime, as it should be. And I say that because we're adding depth to the roster by adding new women, EO Sky, Dakota Kai, bringing back Bailey, elevating women like Shayna Baszler, going over to Raw, elevating people like Champa, new opponent for Bobby Lashley, going over to SmackDown, bringing in people like a carrying cross, new opponent for Roman Reigns. I mean, what happens with the Roman Reigns conversation? Because it's been happening. We have it in our Patreon Discord. Who's next for Roman Reigns at this point? Who gets you excited? Because realistically, in terms of opponents that Roman has not faced, Randy Orton is pretty much the only match left. Of course, we're going to want to watch another match with Drew McIntyre. He has fought Drew McIntyre before, but I'm, I'm down for another Drew McIntyre match. I'm down for another Seth Rollins match. I'm down for another Riddle match. But ultimately, who hasn't he faced? Randy Orton. That's one. Cody Rhodes will be back. Karrion Cross. But, I mean, does the Roman Reigns story keep going the way it's been going. You know, the thing uh, about wrestling a lot of times, when you get very creative people who are very passionate running the show, and this is the way it is for all forms of entertainment, a lot of times they want to tell their stories, right? When you uh, are shooting a movie 
and halfway through, another director takes over. More often than not, even the part that the previous director shot is moved around so that the story can better reflect the vision of the current director. If you've uh, got an, a new producer that's working on an album with a band and he comes in halfway through the project, a lot of times the entire album takes the shape of what that producer in the second half wants the album to sound like. When it comes to WWE, while I doubt that we're going to have stories just thrown out the window, ultimately, whoever is in charge of telling the stories is going to want to tell their stories. Triple H is not is clearly, one thing is clear, based on the last couple of weeks and everything I just pointed out to you, to me, Triple H is not in that seat to tell someone else's stories. And when I say someone else's stories, I'm not talking about the current talent, right? I think Triple H is the type of guy who will hear stories that the talent themselves want to tell. If AJ Styles says, I want to work with this person, here's the story I want to tell. Yeah, I'm talking about stories that were started before Triple H took power. We know who on the roster is sitting there going like, hell yeah, it's great that Triple H is here. You do wonder if there are people on that roster that are going, okay, I might have to uh, re-figure out the way I'm doing things. I don't know who that would be, but there could be people that uh, that are that are feeling that way. I mean, look, I don't think Roman is going to be put on the back burner by any stretch of the imagination. Roman Reigns is the hottest story being told in WWE right now. Roman Reigns is undeniable. Roman Reigns is not a Vince McMahon creation. Roman Reigns is undeniable. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, the reason the match keeps happening is because there is no bigger match in the industry right now. That said, clearly there is a move to elevate people. Maybe getting one of those titles off Roman Reigns elevates people. I don't know. I mean, I I, I think that we're, we're, if we can learn anything from the last two weeks, it's that what was true then is by no reason necessarily true now. We have to rethink the way we, we predict and assume everything, I think. And that's a great, great thing. Look, there's some similarities, you know. I think that um, Vince McMahon had a reputation for kind of wanting everything to go mainstream, loving his celebrity interaction and stuff like that. I think Triple H is going to be all about bringing in people from the outside. I think people like Pat McAfee and Logan Paul are going to continue to prosper under Triple H because Triple H has always seen the value of bringing people in from the outside. Hell, the only reason Pat McAfee is in the position that he's in is because of two people, Michael Cole and Triple H. I was there for it. I, I I saw it. And yes, of course, Vince McMahon saw it and was like, hell yeah, this is great. But ultimately, Triple H was like, what if we could get this guy on our pre-shows? What if we could get this guy to actually wrestle a match? Triple H was the one who put him on commentary when that plane was stuck and NXT took over SmackDown. Triple H called Pat McAfee and said, hey, what do you think of doing commentary tonight? Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, are the one, they're the ones shaking hands with, with Logan Paul. I think, you know, Triple H was on Logan Paul's podcast this week. You know, that ain't changing, all right? This whole idea that uh, uh, Triple H wants to do away with sports entertainment and bring it, make it pro wrestling. Sports entertainment and pro wrestling are the same thing. It's the same thing. I think Triple H is not, uh, Triple H is aware of that. I think that's the difference that maybe Vince McMahon saw sports entertainment and pro wrestling as two separate things and he was doing sports entertainment. I think Triple H sees that sports entertainment and pro wrestling are the same thing. And there's no reason. I think Triple H is a guy who is not doing a wrestling show trying to not do a wrestling show. Triple H is a guy who is doing a wrestling show who is very comfortable with the fact that it's a wrestling show and he wants it to be the greatest wrestling show of all time. So 
what do I think is going to happen now that we've seen how Triple H is leading? Well, besides people like Logan Paul and Pat McAfee absolutely flourishing. And when I say flourishing, I mean, they're going to be incorporated into it. I feel like there's going to be an even more of, of getting guys like that and incorporating them into this thing. I think that Triple H is very aware of uh, uh, attaching the WWE brand to people who have strong personal brands like McAfee, like Logan Paul, like Bad Bunny, and 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 how good that is for business. But in terms of of more specifically, like like who might come back? I absolutely think the fiend Bray Wyatt's on his way back. One hundred percent of me thinks we're seeing The Fiend again. If only because every wrestling fan I know wants him back. It's a very interesting time, man. I, I, I talk to a lot of wrestling fans and a lot of people, you know, everybody knows I'm a wrestling fan. So even people who I know, you know, personally, that aren't necessarily the biggest wrestling fans in the world, when they see me, if they want to talk about wrestling, they know they can talk about wrestling with me. And for the first time in a long time, the conversation is dominated by WWE, right? AEW has been a topic of conversation for a long time because they're the new kids on the block. But somehow, the evil empire themselves, WWE, has this new, fresh coat of paint and has got the world talking. Because because I think that, that even if they're not watching every minute of every show, Word is getting around that Triple H is making it known that he's the man. And every wrestling fan that I talk to, every wrestling fan that I see on Twitter, everyone wants Bray Wyatt back. The minute Bray Wyndham says anything, it's trending. He posted a thing uh, uh, on social media yesterday. He wrote, Wrestling is not a love story. It's a fairy tale for masochists, a comedy for people who criticize punchlines, a fantasy most can't understand, a spectacle no one can deny. Lines are blurred. Heroes are villains. Budgets are cut. Business is business. But it can also be a land where dead men walk, where honor makes you elite, where demons run for office and rock bottom is a reason to rejoice. Woo! It's an escape. A reason to point the blame at anyone but yourself for two to three hours. An excuse to be a kid again. And nothing matters except the moment that we are in. Wrestling is not a love story. It's much more. It's hope. And in a world surrounded in hate, greed, and violence. A world where closure may never come. We all know a place that has hot and cold hope on tap. For better or for worse. This is poetry, my friend. This is absolute poetry. I mean, there's so much in there. Of course, Dead Man Walk, The Undertaker, Honor Makes You Elite. We're talking Ring of Honor. We're talking AEW. Demons Run for Office. We're talking about good old Mayor Kane. Rock Bottom is a Reason to Rejoice. We're talking about The Rock. Woo! And Rock Bottom is a Reason to Rejoice. Of course, we're talking about both, you know, the lowest of lows, which wrestling brings, and the fact that, you know, taking a rock bottom means that you're in the biggest match of your career. You could say that when Bray Wyatt had that altercation with The Rock in the moment, it was the greatest thing ever. And coming off of it, it was the worst thing ever. He says, woo. He says, talks about it being an escape. Two to three hours, that means Raw is on the table. And I think that WWE is a place that has uh, hot and cold hope on tap. WWE is a dream factory, dude. And it becomes a place where 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 it can give you nightmares as well. I don't think that this is Bray Wyatt's way of telling us that he's definitely coming back like this week. But if the fiend showed up on Raw tonight, I wouldn't be shocked. He's I'm telling you he's coming back, dude. Triple H is in fan service mode. People love carrying cross in NXT. Boom. Back. Like for no other reason than because it's cool. That's why things are happening, for no other reason than because they're cool. And it is so amazing to have a WWE where things are happening because it's cool. I think there's a good chance Johnny Gargano comes back. 
You know, I mean, I, I, I think if you look at what's happening with Champa, if you look at what's happening with Karrion Cross, I, you know, I can't, I can't imagine that Johnny Gargano doesn't look at this and go, yeah, yeah, maybe I should uh, give old Papa H a call. Unless Papa H has already called Johnny. I wouldn't be surprised if those phone calls are happening. I don't know uh, in what context you bring Johnny back. You know, I mean, do you have Champa beat Bobby Lashley and have Johnny Gargano show up? Do you run a risk, by the way? At some point, this is all fun right now. But is there a point where you run a risk of making it too much like NXT? Maybe that's where The Fiend is a good thing in the in the sense that Bray Wyatt was in NXT. I don't think he's black and gold, even though that was black and gold. Bray Wyatt was not TakeOver era NXT. And I think black and gold is usually associated with TakeOver era NXT. But The Fiend is not NXT. The Fiend is a main roster creation. And The Fiend is, I think, the character that needs to come back. And I think that would be a good thing. You know, I, I, I think that, that what you don't want is it to feel like Triple H is just bringing back all his NXT people. I think what you want it to feel like is Triple H, and it does right now, is Triple H is righting wrongs. Karrion Cross is not back because he was great in NXT. Karrion Cross is back because he should have been great on the main roster. Shayna Baszler did not win the gauntlet match because she was great in NXT. Shayna Baszler won the gauntlet match because she should have been winning gauntlet matches the entire time. Champa, Champa didn't win his opportunity at the United States Championship because he was great in NXT. He won it because he should have been a main roster star a long time ago. And I think that that's the way you've got to look at it. That we're not rebuilding black and gold. And I think that the, the entire time... You know, they said that NXT 2.0 was changing because they were going to bring it back to be developmental. I think Triple H always saw NXT as developmental. I think Triple H was always building stars that he intended to be stars on the main roster. I think he and Vince McMahon just saw things differently. And it became difficult because Triple H's creative vision was not matched on the main roster, so it became very difficult to train people for a vision that you didn't have. Because it was somebody else's vision. Now, now it's a different case. But I do think that Gargano will be back. Um, I say what I say about NXT because that's what makes me feel like maybe Gargano and Champa should not be connected. You know, I almost feel like Gargano should be paired up with Theory. Because I think that 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 some of Gargano's best and most underrated work. I mean, Gargano's best work was obviously his story with Champa. Incredible. But I think some of his most underrated stuff was the way. The stuff that Gargano was doing with Theory and with Candice and with Indy Hart, uh, Hartwell were, were, was incredible because it showed a different side of Johnny Gargano. It showed that sports entertainment side. And I think that if, if you bring Gargano in as kind of, Theory's trainer and an advocate for theory. I think I, I I think you might be onto something. That's probably what I would do. I would also consider, look, it's an amazing visual seeing Roman Reigns with two titles. But Roman doesn't wrestle even every pay-per-view. And I do think I don't mind. Roman having one title and not defending it all the time. But I would like the other title to be defended all the time, right? Like it it, it kind of makes up for it. It allows you to still have big championship matches. I think that premium live events have been lacking without big championship matches, you know? Especially since like Cody's gone because at least at Hell in a Cell, you had Cody versus Seth. Like you found ways to get past it, but those ways are going to run out quick. And how do you get that? How do you get that 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 title off of Roman? I mean, you know, I I I I think, and I think that this is something Triple H will do that maybe Vince wouldn't have. 
I think that you do have to build a scenario where both titles are on the line separately. I think that that's the beauty of having Karrion Cross in. I think the beauty of having Karrion Cross in is that you can now do Drew, Cross, and Roman for both titles, right? And 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 you know, it's interesting because Seth has already called out Roman, so we're already looking towards a Seth Roman match. And for my money, I think I I think Seth taking the title from Roman. And then going on to be the one to defend against Cody would be money. At the same time, Cody versus Roman would be money too. It's just very interesting because I think Cody versus Roman was probably the match that Vince McMahon had in mind a year ago or, or, or when Cody came back. It was Cody comes back at this WrestleMania. Next year at WrestleMania, it's Cody versus Roman. Is that the match that Triple H has in mind? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Everything changes now. Everything is up for debate and up for conversation. But until we get there, I think I think the idea of taking the WWE Championship off of Roman and having Roman just be the Universal Champion is a good one. You know, I I, I think that, that, that that reign can continue. That's the title that he's had the longest. I mean... It's one of those things where now I get antsy even thinking about any blemishes on Roman's, Roman's record. I, I just think it's such a special thing that's been built around Roman, but why build it if not to bring it down? Now, there are two ways you could do this. One way is triple threat rules, you know, like we did at uh, WrestleMania with the European and Intercontinental Championship. I think that was, I don't know, WrestleMania 2000, maybe? Triple threat, intercontinental European title match. Um, but you could do a triple threat match where the first fall was for the Universal Championship. The second fall was for the WWE Championship. In the first fall, Roman pins Karrion Cross, And the, and the triple threat would be Karrion Cross, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns. In the first fall, Roman pins Karrion. In the second fall, Karrion pins Drew. So that means Karrion walks out with the WWE Championship and then goes on to Raw to maybe face Seth or whoever. And then you've got Drew, who's still kind of got an unfair shake in Cardiff. The other way you could do it, and keep in mind, we've got four weeks, I think, or more. I think four before Cardiff. So there's plenty of time for storytelling. It really is interesting the way timing has worked out because we've got a nice big chunk of time between SummerSlam and Cardiff that, you know, we didn't realize how convenient it would be because who knew that a new person would take over creative from Vince McMahon. Um, you could also, another scenario is you could have Roman have two matches. One opens the show, one closes the show. One's for the WWE Championship, one's for the Universal Championship. And I think it would almost, and then, so you have Roman versus Karrion and then Roman versus Drew. And I, I, I think it could be really interesting. The more I think about it, I wonder, like, what if, and this is just me spitballing here. What if, Paul Heyman left Roman Reigns to join Karrion Cross. Like, what if it was Scarlett, Karrion Cross, and then Paul Heyman just lingering behind them? You know? Like, you still got that entrance, but Paul Heyman was just kind of, just kind of trying to puppeteer, mastermind behind the two of them. I mean, it would just be like, like even more so the leech that Paul Heyman is, right? Just just, just leeching off of this act. Because Paul Heyman is such a great vehicle. Like, he, 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 he can so easily make someone a babyface, right? He can so easily turn somebody by betraying them. Ultimately, that's why Brock is as hot as he is. 
because Paul Heyman turned on him, in my opinion, and the fact that Brock can pull off a hell of a baby face. I think it could be very interesting to do, like, open the show, have Paul Heyman turn on Roman Reigns. Karrion Cross is able to beat Roman Reigns in a very, very cheap way. Roman Reigns is furious. Maybe he gets beaten down by the Usos or something. Paul Heyman stays with the Usos and stays with Karrion Cross. Not all together, right? It's not like a, a, a faction. But the Usos stay heel, Rome, and then and then what it does is effectively it turns Roman babyface. I'm just I'm just imagining how cool it would be if Roman started the night as a heel like he is now, had his match, lost when Paul Heyman turned on him, and through a series of events, turned babyface, so that at the end of the night, when he entered the match as universal champion to defend against Drew McIntyre. He was the babyface. To have Roman start the night as a heel and end the night as a babyface. And as Universal Champion, he has a match with Drew that is just a, a barn burner. Totally fair. No cheating. No outside interference. No nothing. Roman beats Drew. But then he shows Drew respect. Holds his hand up. Gives him a hug. And Roman leaves Cardiff as a baby face with Karrion Cross as a heel. And now you've got a heel Karrion Cross as WWE champion and a baby face Roman Reigns as Universal champion. I mean, if it worked, it would be insane. I, I don't know when somebody has had two matches on a show and was able to work the first match as a heel and then turn and then have the second match as a baby face. I just think that would be so cool. And I also think that, like, the idea of Roman Reigns being a babyface at this point is not such a stretch, right? I, I, I do think people are ready to cheer for Roman Reigns because I think any Roman Reigns fatigue that's setting in, and I read this, you know, especially when I do, like, the WWE spaces because I get all, like, the people who respond to everything WWE's account tweets, and there are people that are sick of Roman like winning by cheating and and doing the same thing. I'm not one of them. I think it's great. I, I've loved the Roman story. But to go from Roman comes back, Roman aligns with Paul Heyman, has this incredible run. Paul turns on Brock. Roman and Brock have just this incredible saga. Only for Paul to turn on Roman. For Roman to realize what's happened. For Roman to realize that if he wants to be the head of the table, he's got to prove to the world that he really is the best. And that doesn't mean just win. That means having the best matches. That means being the guy. And you just twist the whole thing. And he's a babyface by the end of it. Especially if Roman is not going to be on a regular schedule. I think that that could be a very interesting way to go. It would mix things up entirely. I, I think that it would do it without killing Roman Reigns at all. He would still be the man. But it would be like, hey, here's a new part of the story you didn't see coming. And it would all lead back to the fact that, you know, there's a new sheriff in town. There's a new top guy. And that's ultimately the top guy. That's Triple H. I don't know. It could be very, very interesting. But I see that. I see the 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 titles being separated you know people want a second champion people want a champion on each show because they want a title that's you know being defended so yeah man um you know i thought it was really uh interesting on uh smackdown that live morgan got booed it was even better because there was this clip of Becky Lynch when she was feuding with Liv Morgan talking about how fickle the fans were and how if Liv, everybody was behind Liv, but if she won the title, they would all turn on her. And then they did. I didn't see it coming. I felt bad for Liv. I felt like, you know, she really didn't see it coming. Um, I mean, I guess it's to be expected to an extent. I Like I said, I didn't expect it, but... She did tap out. 
They did show it right before she came out. There was a better way of probably doing that. Um, but yeah, I, I hope, I hope that that's not a reaction that follows Liv. Because she's been beloved up to this point. And I think that that's a real, a real strength of hers. Um, getting outside of the WWE world. I know there is a world outside of WWE. First of all, shout out to old Mance Warner showing up on AEW, mixing it up with the AEW champion, John Moxley on Rampage, going to the pay window. Ah, uh, I love Mance. I've, he's been a GCW mainstay for quite a while now. He's going to be part of their uh, homecoming event, or I think he'll be part of the homecoming event uh, this weekend. So out there in Atlantic City. So yeah, part of the second gear crew, SGC. So uh, yeah, I was real happy to see Mance Warner on AEW. Cut a hell of a promo after the John Moxley match that they posted on social media as well. I don't know if that means that he's in AEW or he was just coming in for that match. I took it as he was coming in for that match, but I have no idea. Um, And then yes, yes, less than a week. Less than a week after his last match, Ric Flair participated in an angle. I know. Who could have seen it coming? <laughs> Ric Flair and Carlos Colon, who combined, uh, has, their ages are 283, if you combine their two ages. It's really unbelievable. But they were in Puerto Rico over the weekend, and I guess, yes, they came to blows. Ric Flair and Carlos Colon. I'm telling you right now, Ric Flair made a hell of a lot of money for Ric Flair's last match. Old Connie Rad Thompson did a great job putting that show on. I loved watching it. They sold a lot of pay-per-views. They sold a lot of tickets. They did a ridiculous job with the merch. Made a ton of money. Ric Flair made a ton of money. Ric Flair was still standing after the match. Ric Flair's getting back in the ring, dude. That was not Ric Flair's last match. Understand. I don't care what the major bendies said. I don't care what the turnbuckle said. I don't care what the canvas said. I don't care what the meet and greet said. I don't care what any of it said. Ric Flair's not had his last match. He's gonna wrestle again. He's gonna collect that check. And you know what? I'm all for it. Let him keep going. Let Who are we to stop him? What else does he have? His kids are grown. He's not married. He's got 19 ex-wives. What else does this guy have? Let him do his thing. Walk to the ring, wearing his jewelry. Who cares? Ah, but he's ruining his legacy. Then watch the old matches. You can always watch the Steamboat Trilogy. We got Peacock. You can watch all of the Starcades. You can watch the Dusty matches. You can watch him win the Royal Rumble in 92. You can watch his actual retirement match for WrestleMania 24. None of that's going anywhere. None of that's going to be spoiled. It all lives forever. In the meantime, this guy's trying to collect some checks and uh, feel the rush of the crowd again. If he wants to go full Mickey Rourke, Randy the Ram. Let the nature boy do it. What else does he have? What the hell else does he have? Will Ric Flair versus Carlos Colon be the greatest catch-as-catch-can wrestling match of all time? No. As a matter of fact, it would probably be the worst. But you know what? If that's what the nature wants to do, that's the nature. Let him do it. We'll all buy it, so who cares? By the way, speaking of all that, uh, let's get to these emails. NotSamWrestling at gmail.com is my email address. If you want to send an email to the show, it's NotSamWrestling at gmail.com. And speaking of that, um, I got an email from uh, Tim who said, uh, in honor of Ric Flair's last match, how do you think his career would have gone if he stayed in the WWF in 1993? So, in January of 93, a year after he won the Royal Rumble, Ric Flair was really only in. His first WWE run was a year and a half. He showed up in the fall of 19... It was less than a year and a half. He showed up in the fall of 1991 after SummerSlam. 
His first pay-per-view was Survivor Series 91. From there, he went on to win the Royal Rumble in 92. Had the big WrestleMania 8 match with Randy Savage at WrestleMania 8. Didn't work SummerSlam. He was at ringside. Survivor Series 92, it was Flair and Razor versus Savage and Perfect, supposed to be Savage and Warrior. And then a couple of weeks after Royal Rumble 93, my man was out the dough. He was out the dough. In honor of Ric Flair's last match, how do you think his career would have gone if he had stayed in WWF in 1993? Now, I mean, it has been made uh, clear that the reason Ric Flair left is because Vince McMahon said, look, Rick, love you. Love what you've been doing. I'm going to go for a more uh, youth-oriented product. My main event stars are going to be younger. I'll keep you around, but you're not going to have a top spot. You're going to be used to put guys over. Ric Flair was not ready to do that, so he went back to WCW. I personally think that it was the right move. Now, you know, did Ric Flair have any classics? I mean, you know, he got to work Hogan in 94, but, you know, by the time the NWO showed up in 96, which was three years later, you know, from the time he got back to WCW, it was not good. You know, he was humiliated. But really, realistically, I mean, Starcade 93 was Ric Flair versus Vader. That was incredible. It's actually the only good Starcade main event of the entire decade of the 1990s. And I did this. I'm not saying I'm wrestling on Peacock. You can find the show. I went through all the Starcades. Everybody loves Starcade. There was one good Starcade main event in the entire decade of the 90s. And it was Ric Flair versus Vader in 1993. I don't think there's any way we get that if he stays in WWE. I think that if he stayed in WWE, he would have... I mean, he he he, he would have been used kind of like Macho Man was. I Honestly, if he had stayed in WWF in 1993, I think by 95, he's Doc Hendricks. I think if, if he had not gone back to WCW, by 1995, Ric Flair is in the commentary booth. I think he's done in the ring. I think that, that every now and then, he gets pulled in. He probably gets pulled in as a baby face. Like he's in the Roddy Piper role. He's in the Macho Man role. He's in, like, that's, that's, that's where Flair would have gone. And I don't think we ever would have gotten that second run. Who Now, who knows? Maybe he still would have been, you know, brought up to be a part of evolution years and years and years later. Because honestly, the legacy that evolution was drawing upon was mostly pre-1993. A little bit post-1993, but mostly pre-1993, I think. You know, I mean, you know, I guess you could point to a little bit in 93, a little bit in 94, but, you know, realistically, it's the 80s and the early 90s for Rick. So, I think he did the right thing by leaving, and, uh, uh, and, and although it would have been interesting, it would have been interesting to see him become a, a, a character on the broadcast team <laughs> and what that would have looked like. I mean, knowing Ric Flair, that wouldn't have lasted. There's no way. Uh, Robert, Robert Ellis, uh, he wrote in to uh, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Uh, hey, Sam, I've really enjoyed your recent breakdowns of WWE in a post-Vince era. Thank you, as always, for making sense of the ever-changing landscape of professional wrestling. Last week, you raised the valid point that no one person can do everything that Vince can do as well as Vince, i.e. head of creative and the commercial driving force of WWE. This week, you raised an even more important point, however. No one person can do it better than Vince. Each of the main players can now exceed Vince in their individual area. Uh, Example, Triple H can push creative to new heights. Nick Khan can drive share prices to new highs. And Stephanie can keep the business running smoother than ever behind the scenes. I think Vince achieved the impossible in his career, but so excited for what lies ahead. Warm regards, Rob. Yeah, I think that's a lot of what we talked about today. That, that's what's going to make Triple H so special is that Triple H 
is not going to be distracted by TV deals and stuff like that. You know, Triple H is not going to be distracted by the business side of things. Because you've got Stephanie McMahon dealing with all the partners. You've got uh, Nick Khan doing all the deals. I mean, yeah, it's like Vince McMahon is this beast, but I don't know, man. Nick Khan has proven himself to be a genius. We already know Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are geniuses. So that's three geniuses, bro. Not too shabby. And then uh, let's also go to this one. Let's go to uh, uh, Adam Korth. Adam says, hey, Sam, I started listening to the podcast on and off around episode 120 to 130, but I remember getting hooked after episode 136 with X-Pac. I don't think I've missed an episode since. I appreciate that, man. Uh, I have a crazy fantasy booking idea for the mailbag. When I saw Karrion Cross come back on SmackDown, my mind started racing on why they would have him jump Drew in the buildup to Clash at the Castle. I don't see them using Cross to be the one to beat Reigns. However, Reigns versus Cross match would slap. Yeah, it would. I set up a scenario where he could beat him. Um, but what if it cl Clash at the Castle, Theory cashes in the Money in the Bank contract mid-match to make it a triple threat, but Drew manages to pin Theory for the victory. This would keep Roman strong, but at least, uh, but get at least one belt off Reigns. We would now be free to move forward into the WWE Championship feud between Drew and Cross. That's interesting, dude. I don't mind that idea. I know you're not a fan of the Money in the Bank holder losing their cash in, and I tend to agree. Money in the Bank is one of the best events of the year to give us hope about future champs so we cannot have them consistently lose and damage the prestige of the Money in the Bank contract in the process. But I don't think we have ever had a title change hands uh, on a cash, cash in that fails. It would be a new idea, but I'm curious what your thoughts would be. Does that continue the downward trend of the Money in the Bank prestige? Could Theory recover from such a dopey decision? Can you craft a story that only takes one belt off of Reigns? I pre I would prefer to keep the Universal title run intact. Me too. Um, for a babyface uh, run in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, babyface rub in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you say, Sam? I do also want to say thank you for all the work you put into the podcast. I was a rabid fan back in the Attitude Era, but lost track of wrestling in 2006. I got interested again during the rise of the Black and Gold NXT era with Finn Balor and Kevin Owens feud. Listening to your podcast brought me back to being a weekly viewer, and I ended up going to my first live wrestling show at the beginning of 2020, NXT TakeOver Portland. Oh, that was a great show. NXT TakeOver Portland is awesome. I had forgotten how much I love uh, this, and hearing passion like yours helped me get excited about wrestling again. Oh, you're the man, dude. I really appreciate hearing from you, Adam. Um, no, I actually think now is an okay time, especially in that scenario. If Theory cashed in and lost, but Drew ended up winning the title, I don't mind that at all. I like it. I'm with you in the sense that I don't want Roman to lose both titles. I wouldn't want my scenario and your scenario both to happen. But... I think this is twofold. I think that if that were to happen, number one, it doesn't take the prestige away from the money in the bank because it's such a, an interesting scenario to me. Number two, everything is in such a state of flux. Everything feels new. Everything feels fresh. The problem with the money in the bank is uh, uh, failing is that it's not like a big, fresh thing like the, the what makes money in the bank fun is somebody who you never thought would win the title is going to win the title and that's why you care but in this moment that we're in right now and it's going to continue through next june i'm sure we're in this spot where literally anything can happen where we're realistically talking about bray wyatt coming back where carrion cross just showed up on smackdown with his old nxt gimmick and got in between Drew and Roman leading up to Clash at the Castle. Now, there is another scenario where they make it a triple threat. Karrion Cross, Drew, Roman. Karrion pins Austin Theory at a cash-in. Austin Theory comes in, makes it a fatal four-way. Roman and Drew are both down. Theory comes in to cash-in goes to cover either Drew or Roman, 
forgets about the third person, Cross comes in, kicks Austin Theory's head off. Theory goes down, one, two, three. Karrion Cross is the WWE champion. And now you've got a scenario where Drew and Roman still have stuff unsettled. Roman is going to want that title back from Karrion. But at the same time, Roman's going to want revenge on Austin Theory. And Drew is going to want revenge on Austin Theory. So you've got all these matches that are set up. I think you could do your scenario, but have Austin Theory, I mean, have Karrion Cross in the mix. And it still works. But I think because everything is so fresh right now and and everything is in flux, that having the cash in not be successful is still okay. Because the beauty of WWE right now is you just can't call it. You just have no idea where it's going to go. I can't wait to see where it all goes. I'm glad that we're here to document all of it. And that's exactly what I'll be doing here on Not Sam Wrestling. Be here next week when we try to make sense of everything again. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.